0: Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio.
1: Good morning. It's 830 on Wednesday, September 13th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, several hundred people say they're opposed to a state takeover of the Jackson Public School District. Find out why they're rallying for support. Financial advisors in Mississippi are urging their clients to carefully monitor credit reports following a data breach at a major reporting agency. And hear what an education expert says could be the crucial subject Mississippi kids are not learning in school. That's all coming up. State Department of Education is considering taking over Mississippi's second largest school district. The Mississippi Commission for Accreditation will take up the issue in a meeting this morning. Several hundred parents and community members joined during a rally yesterday at the Mississippi Department of Education. This after state school superintendent Carrie Wright says an 18-month audit found 24 violations out of 32 standards which includes programs and educational services. The group is arguing that many problems have been corrected, such as keeping accurate student records. They also say they've turned in a petition with more than 2,500 signatures. More than 27,000 students attend the district's 60 schools. Jackson Mayor Shokwe Lamumba tells our Desiree Frazier he is concerned about the assessment and allegations.
2: I'm gravely concerned. Uh, I, I believe that history will reflect uh, that it does not equal success. I think that the assessment uh, or the uh, the allegations made against Jackson Public School District at this time are inaccurate. It does not properly reflect the present state of Jackson Public School District. And Why do think,
3: you feel that way?
2: Uh, it's not a matter of feeling. It's a matter of of what I, I truly have access to and the facts that I that I know at this time. It is laced with inconsistencies. One of the ones that I mentioned was the inconsistency of the number of students that are graduating and based on them not actually meeting the the qualifications of graduation and we have the direct numbers to prove and contradict that accusation. There are a number of things that that have been corrected whether it be uh, the number of students that are walking in hallways and a number of things. We have GPS devices that are able to demonstrate improvement in the arrival of school buses and so these are things that we don't put out based on conjecture These are things that we have data to support.
3: The audit says 24 out of 32 procedural issues are at stake here. Yeah. Are you saying that those are false?
2: I'm absolutely saying that they are not accurate, and I'm also saying that the process doesn't properly reflect the current state of uh, Jackson Public Schools. To do an audit at the same time that the board approves a corrective action plan doesn't enable the correction action plan to be implemented. It is insincere to say, I'm giving you an opportunity to correct, but I am going to judge you at the same time you're correcting, right? So that needs to be considered, and people need to know that it is, one, not a proper reflection of where we find our school district at this time, but it is an insincere process that is followed and unprecedented. Not before have we seen this action taken by our state and audit at the same time. Of a corrective action plan being fully implemented.
3: Have you had an opportunity to talk to uh, the State Superintendent Carrie Wright or anyone with the department?
2: I've had the opportunity on two occasions. The first, she came to my office, presented the infamous 700 page document that we are all speaking of. I asked a few questions, uh, and what she shared with me is that she just wanted an objective process, that she was not going to take any position. She was merely fulfilling her role to present the evidence and I believed her to be a a woman of her word at that time. Then subsequently to that discussion we called another conversation in order to articulate the city's position once we had an opportunity to digest the information that was provided to us. She uh, agreed to a, a meeting only to not actually show up but to do a teleconference and at that time she expressed the same position. Later to find out when we had taken corrective steps in order to uh, speak with stakeholders, speak with people who have the opportunity to weigh in on this and ask them what their impressions are about the potential steps that the city was willing to take and to find agreement in that, that Dr. Wright went behind our backs and made a clear indication of her disapproval of that, and I won't go into specificity, to threaten certain individuals who are willing to take a strong stance. And so we find issue with that. We find that not to be objective And we do claim nefarious intent.
3: You said there are some challenges. Without the funds, the state is struggling with money. How will you be able to implement some of the things you want?
2: Well, I think that we can find the creative talent and leadership that can take place in order to work within uh, fiscal restraints. That's what we're challenged with doing each and every day as a matter of government, as a matter of this district and every other district. But I do think that the critical point that has been raised, that a state that uh, fails to fully fund education is somewhat hypocritical to come into a district that is uh, filled with many of the top-performing schools and state that we're uh, ill-equipped to handle our own school district.
3: And you did mention that takeovers aren't successful.
2: Absolutely. I think that the history bears that out. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Janelle Jefferson is a parent and PTA president at Davis Magnet School, a JPS school ranked in the top 10 in the state. She tells MPB's Desiree Frazier her children are excelling. They are
4: doing exceptionally well at Davis Magnet. I can only speak wonderful and positive things about the opportunities that they've been afforded, as well as the teachers, the administration. It's a very family-centered environment. And our PTA meetings, I mean, they're standing room only. So you have a group of people who are committed to this school, who are committed to the kids, the students, our scholars, you know, that love them, and um, we're there. And so if somebody paid more attention to what we're doing, you know, if we got kudos from the state government to say congratulations to school, you're number one in the state, Let's talk about some things that we can do, you know, to provide better resources because the kids are there. If they have the potential, they are doing it. Well, the Mississippi Department of Education has found that the district doesn't meet
3: 24 out of 32 procedures that they have in place. Doesn't that concern you?
4: There is issue for concern, but if you heard what Mr. Crudup said That if you consistently take from an area, you know, and take from and take from, we're performing with less than resources, but our kids are still performing. in these areas that they're seeing that, you know, this audit came from, we've made positive strides in each one, each area. You know, so the education is there, the work is there, the kids are there, the parents are there, the community is there. And we're doing it, like I said, without the type of support that we should have from the state. So it's twofold, especially when you want to consider, you know, who's delivering the message and how it's getting out, you know.
3: What do you think would happen if the state did take over the district?
4: I'm very concerned about that and where I think that we won't have the same, afford the same opportunities for my children. I'm very concerned that, you know, you will have persons who don't care, who don't care the way that the current administrators care, who don't know our kids, who don't know their potential, and can't say that this child is capable of learning. It can only get better if we're giving the resources with the current administration leadership that we have. You know, if you look at the the statistics for the gifted um, program, a lot of those awards that my kids are, are receiving, there are numerous kids who are receiving the same things. If you go to the regional science fair um, that Jackson State sponsors every year, the number one and two slots are held by students who are in JPS. At the robotics competition, you know, not only my child placed, but there were several students from Davis Magnet IB School that placed number one, number two, number three, number four. Overall, in each one of these particular categories, and this is our first year having a STEM program, you know, so that lets you know if we receive any type of additional help, you know, just think how much further they could go when we're already performing with minimal resources.
3: Thank you so much. We appreciate your time. Thank you. I appreciate your time.
1: In a videotaped statement, State Superintendent Wright explains the Mississippi Commission on School Accreditation meets today. She says she will not comment before a decision is made on Jackson Public Schools. The State Board of Education will meet tomorrow to consider the commission's recommendation. Coming up, last week's Equifax breach may have affected millions. Find out how you can take action with your personal information. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. Financial advisors in Mississippi are urging their clients to carefully monitor credit reports following a data breach at one of the three major reporting agencies. Last week, Equifax announced the personal information of up to 143 million U.S. consumers, consumers was compromised. The company says it's taking steps to remedy the data breach. Analysts say it's now up to consumers to help minimize their risk. Jill Gonzalez is an analyst with finance website WalletHub. She tells MPB's Ezra Wall what consumers can do in the wake of the breach.
5: If you have a mortgage, if you have an auto loan, a student loan, chances are your information is stored with Equifax as it is with Experian and TransUnion, the other two reporting agencies. So obviously that's huge implications for people's wallets.
6: How can people know if their specific information was among that that was at risk?
5: Well, Equifax has set up a site uh, that essentially allows a user to put in the last six digits of their social security number along with their last name to ultimately see if you were affected here. But here I think the chances are essentially one in two people were affected. I would just err on the side of caution And go ahead and assume that you are one of those people affected. You don't have to be putting any more of your information out there in this Equifax new plan.
6: WalletHub is recommending five different steps that people can take to protect themselves in the event that they have been at risk in this way. Your number one suggestion is sign up for 24/7 credit monitoring, which I should point out a point of disclosure is a service that your company offers.
5: Yes, and there are plenty of other free sites that offer 24/7 credit monitoring as well. This is not something that you should be paying for in this day and age. So you do want to sign up for 24/7 credit monitoring, make sure it's free. And that way you'll find out immediately if someone has tried recently or is trying to open an account in your name.
6: The second item, enable two-factor authentication. What is two-factor authentication?
5: Two-factor authentication is essentially sending a code to any one of your devices, your cell phone, and essentially making sure that anything that you try to log into, you want to make sure that you're getting kind of a backup text and code anytime you try to get on those sites because Equifax was hacked but your devices were not. So that's something that you still want to be using to your advantage.
6: Now your third point here is that a freeze is better than alert. Are you talking about people actually freezing their credit?
5: Yes. So you could put a fraud alert on any one of your credit reports. That doesn't really do much. That's essentially the same as signing up for credit monitoring. If you want to be extra precautious here, then you should freeze your three major credit reports, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion, and that prevents anyone but you from accessing them. So it makes it impossible to take out a loan, to take out a line of credit, even to make a hard inquiry on your credit report.
6: So what if someone's in a position where they are trying to seek financing for something? Would it impact their ability to do those things?
5: It would. So if you are in the market for financing, if you're in the market for a new credit card, then a freeze is not going to be an option here.
6: Your fourth suggestion is to suppress fraudulent info. Tell me what that means.
5: There's a process called suppression or blocking of information on your credit report. If you suppress fraudulent information, then that information will never reappear on your credit report. So there are two steps that you need to take further than this run-of-the-mill dispute. You will need to file a police report here that marks this as identity theft. You'll also need to get an affidavit from the FTC, but two things that are definitely worth it to make sure this information stays off of your report.
6: The last item that you suggest is never to respond to unsolicited requests for information.
5: Unfortunately, this is our new normal. You never want to be responding to unsolicited requests for information information. And I do think that we'll see an uptick, especially after this event, of unsolicited not only emails, but phone calls, text messages requesting personal information from address confirmations to passwords. So never answer if you didn't ask to be contacted. Make sure you're not clicking on any links in your emails. Hackers, unfortunately, are very sophisticated these days. Even entire websites can be duplicates.
6: So, the five things that you advise number one, sign up for free 24 7 credit monitoring, enable two factor authentication. Number three, a freeze is better than alert, so put a freeze on your credit reporting. Suppress that fraudulent info by working through the proper channels and then never respond to unsolicited requests for information. Jill Gonzalez is an analyst with the consumer finance website Wallet Hub. Jill, thank you very much for joining us today.
1: Anytime. Nancy Lotrich anderson is an investment advisor and associate professor of finance at Mississippi College. She tells MPB's Desiree Fraser most people don't realize the impact.
0: Most people don't realize how that information is used. It has an impact on everything that we do. It prices money on credit cards, mortgages, Uh, car loans, student loans. It also has an impact on rentals, insurance, when they they will pull your credit report. Even in some job situations, they will ask for a copy of your credit report. So what is on that report can have an impact on whether you get approved for uh, renting an apartment or approved for a new credit card account.
3: What can people do now that this has happened to protect themselves?
0: The most important thing they need to do, and they should have been doing this already... We all need to stand up and pay attention. We need to be monitoring our credit reports on an annual basis. You can do that with annualcreditreport.com and pull those reports, look at that, make sure those are really your records and someone has not taken your identity to open new accounts. And when they open those new accounts, they are racking up charges and they're going to wreck your credit record and ruin your credit score.
3: I know that Equifax says that you could sign up for
0: monitoring for a year. Well, they are offering that, and that's a good thing to do. And we have had some rulings from some of the uh, state attorneys general saying they cannot take your rights away, so you're not giving up the right to sue for some damages that might occur. So what we're talking about here is possibly people...
3: Um, having their information, their credit scores ruined, but not having any real recourse to correct it in a timely fashion? Well, you do
0: have recourse. And again, just because the information has been taken, it doesn't mean any damage has occurred yet. So that's why you need to be preemptive. You need to monitor, pay attention. If you see something that's off, then you need to contact each of the credit reporting agencies and tell them, this is bad information, this is not me, and keep monitoring to make sure it's taken off. And
3: so would you call Equifax as well?
0: Yes, because they're still going to be in the game. They have certainly been damaged by all of this, but we think they will still be in the game. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you.
1: Coming up, reading, writing, and arithmetic are common school subjects, but as organization, the crucial subject children are not learning in school. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think
7: Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Rick Gachazo, professor of medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. Here's an email from Nell for around a week every spring and fall. For some reason, I develop intense itching in my right ear. I usually put hydrogen peroxide in that ear with soaked cotton or use a Q-tip. I have to do this several times during the week before the itching goes away. What causes it, and am I doing the right thing? Well, the, the cause of this can be a number of things. During the allergy season, it can actually be pollen allergy that happens in the ear more commonly during this time of year it is swimmers ear uh, that gets worse when people are swimming especially if they don't normally wipe their ear out after they shower or bathe so they get fungus growing in their ears which causes itching so number one you need to always clean out your ears with a towel a soft towel after you take a shower or bath. Number two, you need to never use hydrogen peroxide in your ear. It's like putting Drano in your ear. It bubbles up and can injure your eardrum, so you don't want to use that. What I recommend for itchy ears is, if you can't get your doctor to take a look down there quickly, is to try the -the over-the-counter swimmer's ear preparation that you can get at any drugstore. It's a dilution of vinegar. It changes the pH of your ear, and fungus hates it, and it also washes your ear out. So over-the-counter swimmer's ear at your local drugstore. For more health tips and medical information, listen for Southern Remedy each weekday at 11, where the doctors are always in. For MPB Think Radio, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo. The Health Minute is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy, live blue. It's good to
2: be blue.
1: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. School is back in session for Mississippi students. As some prepare to review midterm reports, parents can see how well their children are progressing. Jake Newberg is co-founder of a tutoring and test preparation organization called Revolution Prep. He says organization skills may be the missing ingredient in a student's recipe for success. Children face different struggles with keeping organized as they learn to balance school and other activities such as sports or music lessons. Studies have found that organization is a fundamental component to student achievement, yet many schools don't spend time covering this as a subject. Newberg tells us it's part of learning to think for oneself.
8: Kids come to us or parents come to us for help in math, for help in English. So often, one of the big causes is not that they have major deficits in that subject. So often, it's an educational organization thing. It can be as simple as helping them set up a binder system. Quite often, you see students and they don't know where anything is. Oh, yeah, I think I wrote that down. Oh, yeah, I got that back at some point. And so we'll sit down with students, and in each class, we'll have a binder. Maybe you'll have a binder that you share for two classes, and there'll be sections in it. You have your section for your notes. You have your section for your return quizzes and tests, which, by the way, is another big thing. When kids get their tests back, they get tunnel vision. All they look at is the grade. When getting your tests back, right, they're also officially called assessments, are some of the most valuable learning tools to see, oh, boy, this is the stuff that I know. This is the stuff that I don't know, so I better review this because this is going to show up again on the next test. So these are a couple of areas where kids can really benefit from some help.
1: Do you find that kids who are not organized tend to be overwhelmed with their work?
8: Absolutely. They really do feel overwhelmed. Their stress levels go up. I talk about it with parents. of, We've all been in that situation where we're trying to drive somewhere, And Google Maps says, we're not going to get there for another hour. But we need to be there in 30 minutes. That feeling of helplessness is so stressful and anxiety-inducing. It's the same kind of thing if you have a quiz tomorrow or you have to turn in a homework assignment and you can't find the homework assignment, but you know you did it and you don't even know where you put it or you can't find where you wrote it down, so you can't even do that assignment because you don't know what it is. Those are some of the things that then lead to real negative cycles where it takes so much longer to do your homework if you don't know where it is, if you're losing it, if you're disorganized. Now it really becomes an even more negative experience. It takes way more time. You really don't want to do it. So these things can be negatively reinforced or if they know where everything is, they're feeling good about their schoolwork hey, this is something I know where this is and then I do my homework and I put it here and they're getting positive reinforcements on that.
1: How do you approach cleaning up your backpack and keeping your binders and backpack in order?
8: It's not always going to be easy. What we talk about with everything is a parent's biggest job when it comes to their kid's schoolwork isn't sitting there with them on the little things. It's helping provide the motivation. It's helping to make it really fun for them. It's giving them some ownership of the process. So if the child is really into design or art or drawing, okay, how can you make this fun where their binders are their own and they get to pick the colors and they get to write on them and they get to design it? You can also use negative. You can let them fall into that situation where they can't find anything and where they're really stressed out. Sometimes you need to have that, right? Sometimes we need to get a speeding ticket before we slow down a little bit. And so that's something where a parent can be there to support them, but a parent can also call out the consequences. and say, hey, let's see if we can get a little more organized so you're not always digging through your backpack or rummaging around in your room to find this stuff and be able to call it out when that kind of thing happens.
1: Jake Newberg is co-founder of Revolution Prep. Thank you so much for being with us.
8: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it.
1: Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Fix It 101 at 10 o'clock, Everyday Tech and 11. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy. And then join us tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition.
7: Support for MPB comes from Mississippi State University Center for Distance Education, providing online programs and certification at the graduate and undergraduate levels. Distance at State, even there you're here. More information at distance.msstate.edu.